Good morning. morning. Happy Easter. Easter. He is risen. risen Right on. I am so excited uh, to be here this morning. So great to see uh, new faces and faces we haven't seen in a while. And, uh, you know, I want to thank a couple of people because they really put a lot of work into making today happen. For example, um, I would say uh, the first service choir, give them a hand. I think they did a good job. You know, Josh Cass works his tail off. You guys have no idea how much work he puts into. He had to do two Easter's because he's helping another church out. So I'm grateful to Josh Cass, so give him a hand. And there are two women here who set the pace for the rest of us, right? You guys know who they are? It's Kathy Chang and Vicki Daniels, right? Give them a hand. And uh, I know he might be embarrassed, but I've known him for like 30 years, so it's okay. I'm like his brother. I want to thank Tony Escobedo for all the food that he's given us up here. If you haven't been up there yet, it's going to knock your socks off. It's one of the best spreads uh, that I've ever seen. So I'm really looking forward to celebrating with you uh, afterwards. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Ortiz. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new here, it is my hope that you feel welcome here, that you feel like you're part of the family. It's my desire that, that you meet new friends today. Uh, it may not happen in this service, but there's a good chance it'll happen up there. Um, and if you walked in late and you saw this and you don't know what's going on, like why does the preacher have a jacuzzi on, <laughs> on the stage... As nice as it might be for me to preach from a jacuzzi, it would just really wig everybody out. (laughs) That's not a jacuzzi, it is a baptistry, and we have two people who are getting baptized uh, this morning, this afternoon, right after the message, and that is Kelly and Nikita, so I'm really excited about that. If you want to get baptized today, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you haven't been baptized today, when I'm done with the sermon, you meet me over there by the cross, and uh, we'll get you baptized. You might not have brought an extra pair of clothes. That's okay. It's warm outside. You'll dry in no time. So if you want to get baptized, talk to me over there uh, by the cross after, after the message, during the first song, okay? That'll be your window of opportunity. Now, I've been thinking about Easter. I've been anticipating Easter probably more this year than any other year that I can remember. I am especially excited about Easter this year because we are four and a half months into 2017, and I know so many people who are still trying to recover from a brutal 2016. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody I've talked to said 2016 was horrible. And we're four and a half months in, and things are still frustrating. And there's news from around the world lately that's been so tragic and so relentless. And so thank God for Easter. Thank God we can celebrate today our risen and victorious King Jesus who conquered death and renews all things. So looking at our passage this morning, I I don't know if it struck you um, when we read it, but I find it incredibly interesting that the very first appearance of the risen Jesus is to someone who is crying, weeping, heartbroken in the dark. Now, 
We live in a world that is filled with tears, don't we? You watch the news, you walk the streets, you look at your own lives. I don't know what you guys are going through right now. I know some of you are really going through it uh, right now. And so there's something reassuring about Jesus appearing first to someone who is weeping in the dark. Why is that? Well, I think part of it is this, that our tears can blind us. Our tears can, can blind us to, to truth and to reality and to hope. Why is Mary weeping? You know, that's an important question. In fact, both the angels and Jesus ask Mary, why are you weeping? Well, to understand her tears, we need to understand her background. Tradition says that Mary Magdalene was a woman who was prostituted. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, but what we do know about her primarily comes from the Gospel of Luke, where it says that seven demons had come out of her. Now, whether you believe that kind of stuff or not, um, we can at least agree that there is a lot of darkness and a lot of pain in the world, right? There are situations where medical doctors and psychiatrists or psychologists or counselors or, or whoever, they just can't do anymore. There are people who are living a, a terrifying and broken and hopeless existence. And Mary was just crushed by all of this kind of uh, brokenness. And she was, she was oppressed by, by the power of death and, and destruction. She was under the complete domination of, of darkness. And therefore, she was totally hopeless. Something or someone had to save her. Someone had to bring life to her, life that it was the way that it was supposed to be. You know what? When we meet someone like Mary, someone who is devastated and broken by, by darkness and destruction, what people usually do is write them off as hopeless cases. They're too far gone. We can't do anything. But guess what? Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Jesus gives her freedom. He gives her purpose. He gives her joy. Gives her hope. And here's the point. There is no one in this room right now that is a hopeless case. No one is beyond God's help. There are no impossible situations with God. And my question for you is, do you believe that this morning? Are, are, are you just in desperate need for hope? And you only wish you believed that. Well, let's look at this story. Jesus had done all of this for, for Mary, but now he's dead, right? We know from Scripture that, that Mary Magdalene was there at the cross. She, she watched him die. She watched the soldier pierced his heart with his spear. She watched as they buried him and, and rolled the, the stone in, in front of the tomb. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine the thoughts that she has now, the thoughts that are running through her head as she stood there all alone, uh, just weeping in, in the graveyard? I mean, on top of, of being absolutely heartbroken, it's not hard to imagine that she's wondering, are these demons going to come back now? I mean, is my life going to go back to the nightmare that, that it was? 
is, I mean, if Jesus had no chance against the forces of evil, what chance do I have? Can you understand her tears? I know that many of you can because of your broken dreams, because of your fear, because of, of your loss, because of the uncertainty, because of your loneliness, because of the suffering and the injustice that you see that around the world because someone told you that you, know, you have cancer or someone told you, I want a divorce, or someone told you, we regret to inform you. I think a lot of us here can relate to Mary. Well, Mary goes to the graveyard. It's Sunday morning, and it's still dark. And now she finds that not only is her Lord dead, but his body's missing. So she is beside herself, and she weeps next to this empty tomb, not knowing what in the world is, is happening or what in the world is going to happen to her. Now, you need to know there is nothing wrong with tears, right? But there actually is something wrong with Mary's tears here. Let me explain. When the Bible says that Mary came to the tomb while it was still dark, scholars say that it means more than just physical darkness. Darkness and, and light are significant themes in the Gospel of, of John. For example, when Judas left the upper room to betray Jesus, John writes, Judas went out and it was night. And the early readers would have read that and said, yep, okay, I know what he's talking about. So when Mary came to the tomb, it was not only dark in the sky, it was dark in her mind, it was dark in her heart. And it was dark because she wept with no hope, without the hope of a resurrection. She didn't believe in a resurrection. I mean, she had no category for somebody dying and then coming back to life. I mean, therefore, her tears blinded her. They, they blinded her to the signs of hope. For example, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. She was so blinded by her tears that the presence of angels don't even phase her. Maybe she's still in shock over this whole tragedy. Her tears blinded her and she couldn't see that something absolutely wonderful is happening. But she's looking at life, she's looking at Jesus' life and her life without a resurrection. And as far as she could see, death was the end. Death was the end for Jesus and death would be the end for her. This is deep despair. Now, I know that at this point, you might be thinking, man, I kind of thought we were going to be celebrating today, but this preacher's being a total Debbie Downer. Well, I know. Hang in there. Because we need to know the bad news before we can really appreciate the good news. The good news is coming. I want us to see 
that any one of us who looks at life and thinks about life without a resurrection and says, that's all there is, there is no you know, eternity, when you're dead, you're dead, end of story. If anyone looks at life without a resurrection and really thinks about it and the implications, we will have the same despair that Mary had. But what if we really did believe in the resurrection of Jesus I mean, what if we really believed that death was not the end? I mean, our lives would be totally different, right? Because the resurrection radically changes and renews absolutely everything. Without it, we are left in despair like Mary. Our our tears blind us. So, do we just try harder to see? Nope. The truth is, only Jesus can open our eyes. Mary's weeping, but then she turns around, and I don't know if one of the angels was like, hey, psst, look behind you. She turns around, and suddenly there's Jesus, but but she doesn't realize it's him. She thinks he's the gardener. That happens to me all the time. I'm here on campus throughout the week. Somebody swings by, sees me, asks me, can you tell me where the pastor is? It's definitely not you, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't blame them. I, if they don't know I'm the pastor, I can get away with a lot more, so it's all, it's all good. So Mary asks who she thinks is the gardener and says, sir, tell me where, you're, where you put him and I will go get him. Why didn't Mary recognize him? Well, he might have looked a little different, a lot different than the way he looked the last time she saw him, just brutally beaten, hanging on a cross. You know what? I can't help but think that this points us to a very important truth, that sometimes Jesus is right in front of us and we don't even realize it. We're blinded by by all of our problems that just hit us in the face. Maybe, you know, you right now are just really going through it and you think, you know what, where in the world is God when you need him? He is right there. He is with you. He has never left you. He is for you. But most of the time, we don't recognize him. But he's there. And he is using whatever it is that you're going through to bring us to faith or to deepen our faith in him. So how can we see him when we're going through it? Only Jesus can open our eyes. Look, it it only takes one word from Jesus uh, for Mary to see. Jesus says to her, Mary. And then she realizes it's him and she cries out, teacher, Jesus just says her name. And he opens her eyes and and she sees him. She went from the deepest despair to the highest joy, just like that. Only Jesus can open your eyes like that. And he does. But also, only Jesus can give you lasting hope. So what is the basis for the Christian hope that we're celebrating today? It's the resurrection, right? 
But why? Well, because his resurrection guarantees us that we are right with God. See, we cannot separate Easter from Good Friday. We can't separate Jesus' resurrection from his death on the cross. So the truth is, every single one of us knows this deep down inside, whether we're in denial about it or not, but every single one of us have been created to live in the closest of all relationships, the best of all relationships with God. That's why we have desires that this world just can't fulfill. We were wired to have our deepest desires fulfilled by God. But, but our sin of self-righteousness, our sin of pride has separated us from God and the result of that separation is all around us. And we see it manifested in poverty and racism and child abuse and terrorism and cancer and death. But Jesus showed up to remove that separation and to reconcile us with God, to die for our sin so that we could be forgiven, so the power of sin and death could be broken, so that we could be restored to a relationship with God. His resurrection guarantees that his death accomplished its purpose. You know what this means for you? It means that at the moment that you put your faith in a risen Jesus, you are restored to a right relationship with God. It's by his grace. It's all faith. He doesn't make you jump through hoops or be good enough or clean up your act enough to have a relationship with him. That is something that he does in you and, and for you. You know what this all means? It means... That Jesus is with you. He is with you. And he never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. The Apostle Matthew tells us that when Mary recognized Jesus, I mean, she fell and she clung to his, his feet. You know why? Because she didn't want to lose him again. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. What kind of response is that? Jesus, you're, you're alive. I can't believe it. And I, you know, I'm never going to let you go again. I never want you to leave my sight again. I was so afraid. And he's like, what? I mean, this sounds like a rebuke, but what's going on here is Jesus is, is saying that something new is happening. Something, something different, something better is happening than a, than a physical presence. He's saying, it's not physical, it's spiritual. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will never come to you. But if I do go, I shall send him to you. So you don't have to hold on to me because I am always gonna be with you. Wherever you are. Then you fast forward 50 days from Easter to Pentecost, the day that Jesus sends his spirit to be with everyone who believes and Mary is there and suddenly the spirit of God fills her heart. Before Mary met Jesus, she was filled and controlled by seven demons that wanted to destroy her. Now she is filled and controlled by the spirit of the living God. 
That is a changed life. She doesn't have to worry uh, about the demons coming back and, and, and her going back to her old self because Jesus has triumphed over, over the powers of darkness and now she has a new power, the very spirit of Christ living within her and through her. You know, I mean, maybe we've gone through the motions of Christianity uh, we dabble in it a little bit, and we think of Jesus as someone out there if he's still alive. But when we think that way, we miss the comfort and the strength and the power of the risen Jesus who lives within his believers. To the extent that, that, that you grasp that Jesus is with you, your life will be filled with love. Your life will be filled with joy. Your life will, will be filled with a resolve and a determination. Because Jesus is with you. So being restored to right relationship with Jesus means he is with us, but secondly, it means that God is our Father. Jesus goes on to say to Mary, uh, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. This is the first time in the Gospel of, of John that Jesus refers to his followers as his brothers. He's called them followers and servants and friends, but never brothers until here. Throughout the book of, of John, Jesus is always talking about his Father and the closeness and the joy that he has, that he experiences in that relationship, and now he welcomes you into that same relationship. And when he becomes your father, that makes Jesus your brother. Jesus' death accomplished its purpose. It makes us right with God. You are spiritually born into the family of God as God's children. And the Apostle John writes this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. This is the basis of our hope. Jesus' death accomplished its purpose. This means that whatever it is that happens in your life or is happening in your life right now, even things that cause you to, to weep and despair, you can know that God will use it for good. And Jesus, our big brother, will bring us through it all. So how do you begin this relationship with God? You begin by putting your faith in a crucified and risen Jesus. Trusting that his death and his resurrection that we are celebrating today is what makes you right with God. Now, this is not just some heady theological, um, you know, intellectual exercise. I'm telling you, this is about as down to earth as it gets. And we're going to see how... Um, the rubber meets the road and affects you right here, right now. Because if you believe this, do you know what happens to you in your life, in, in this life here on earth, if you believe this? I mean, how does faith in Jesus affect us? If your faith is in the crucified Jesus, we become more and more like Jesus, right? For example... We will grow in respect and, and hope for all people. 
since Jesus is alive and, and there, there are no hopeless cases, therefore, we won't write people off as, who are different than us. We'll treat all people with respect and hope because Jesus can change anyone, even a lug nut like me. He can change. If he can change me, he can change anyone. And then you'll grow in freedom. We spend so much of our lives feeling like we're in bondage, but like Mary, when Jesus comes into your life, he frees you from the powers of darkness. He frees you from the bondage of uh, destructive habits and bitterness and fear and anger and cynicism and greed. And beyond that, you'll grow into a calling on your life. You all have a calling on your life, and you'll grow into that, a calling worth living for. I mean, if this life is all there is, then ultimately everything is meaningless, right? But the resurrection changes everything. It gives all of your life a sacredness, a holy calling. And then, here's what happens. You'll find yourself drawn to people with tears. Jesus is drawn to people who are weeping and hurting. That's why he goes to Mary. That's why he goes to you and to me. And as he comes into your life, he'll get you involved with others who are in need. Maybe that scares you. But here's what else that happens. You will grow in courage. Since our loving Father controls everything and Jesus promises to be with you, you will face the struggles and the hard times and the failures and the sufferings, even death itself, with confidence. Because you know this life is not all there is. Do you see the difference that this makes in your life? So let me ask you. Have you met the risen Jesus? Or are you still looking at life without a resurrection? I want you to know that Jesus, his spirit, is closer to you than you realize. So I plead with you to trust him this morning. Put your faith in him this morning. Ask him to forgive you of our sin like the rest of us have had to do. Ask him to come into your life and he will. And no matter what the world throws at you, he will be with you. And one day, one glorious day, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes as you stand in his presence with Mary and see Jesus face to face. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so incredibly gracious to us. God, we thank you that you don't call us to go through empty uh, religious um, actions and activities that don't make any difference in our lives here and now, but you give us a great hope that there is more to life than what we experience here. That you conquer death and that by faith in you, you give us eternal life so we can face whatever happens in our life with confidence. God, it is my prayer that, that if there is anyone here who feels themselves being drawn to you, God, I pray that you would bless them with faith and that you would, you would 
fill their hearts with, with joy and peace and determination and a calling. God, help, help us to realize that so often we settle for, for so much less because we can't see the joy that we can have in you, even in the midst of just hard times. And I pray for those who are going through hard times, who are in tears right now, that you would comfort them by your spirit. That you would help them to know that you are with them and for them. And that you are in the process of taking everything wrong in the world and making it right. Because Jesus rose from the dead to conquer death and evil and destruction. God, I pray that you would make that more real to us this morning. Increase our faith and give us courage in a broken world. Give us hope, real hope, in a broken world. We pray these things in your name.